What's up, you guys? This is the Anointed Sinners Podcast. Um, Anointed Sinners Podcast is about a uh, sinner, myself, that has been anointed by the Holy One, um, just to express what God has been teaching me. Um, I think that discussions of what God is teaching us in either our devotionals, in what we're reading, or what our pastors are saying, or what different sermons are speaking to us, I think it's great to have those conversations um, with others. So God placed it on my heart to create this podcast just to express what I've been learning and create those discussions amongst your communities and for us to build a community to do the same. So over the past couple of weeks, I um, have been participating in the first five daily devotional by um, Proverbs 31 ministry. Um, it's a great one. Um, it's Proverbs 31 is um, a testament to women's ministry. But it does have general um, application from there. This past couple of weeks, they have been digging into Second Chronicles, the Chronicle series uh, in um, the Bible, in the Old Testament. Never really read the Chronicles because when I think of Chronicles, I think of the genealogy of many people. And to really, to me, deep dive and understand that genealogy, you really have to pick apart these people and how their significance is all tied together. Um, which is technically what I did from this devotional without even knowing it. Um, so the message was faith beyond words. They focused in Second Chronicles 16 and they discussed a King Asa. Um, never heard of King Asa um, and never read Chronicles 1, yet alone 2. So this was a cool um, devotional to do just to continue to learn different parts of the Bible that I probably never would have looked into. Um, so it talked about the reign of King Assad, and um, they specifically focused on um, chapter 16 and how faith goes beyond words, meaning that it's an ongoing choice for believers to continue to make. Um, and reading that chapter gave me the inspiration to look up the genealogy of King Assad, which is crazy because that's what Chronicles is about. Um, King Asad is the great, great grandson of King David. Um, many of us know about the reign of David and Solomon, but not Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asad. We don't know much about them. So we're going to get a little bit of their backstory and how they, um, their genealogy impacted Asad's genealogy. Um, so Second Chronicles 1 starts off talking about Solomon's reign. And straight off the bat, verse 1, Second Chronicles, they start talking about how great of a king King Solomon is. It says in verse 1, Solomon, the son of David, established himself in his kingdom, and the Lord, his God, was with him and made him exceedingly great. First line of learning about Solomon's genealogy is that God made him great because God was with him. Magnificent. I mean, if I was written in the Bible, I would love to know that I was with God and he made me great. Like, what? Chapter closed, close books. I'm done. I'm great. That's all you need to know. If they just gave me that one line, I'd be thrilled. But... The rest of chapter 1 through 10 talks about more great things that God, Solomon did. Um, 
one thing that I thought was fascinating in chapter one is that Solomon is praying to God and God appears to Solomon. And in verse seven, he said, he asks him, what shall I give you? Now, if God asks me what he could give me after I already had my one line in the Bible saying that I was with God and God made me exceedingly great. And he asked me what else I wanted. I mean, in the flesh, you guys, I would come up with tons of things that I would want. I would want me, my student loans paid off. I would want my house paid off. I would want to not have to work anymore and to just be able to travel the world. But in verse nine, you know, Solomon really humbles me and his response to what God, what he asked God to give him. He says in verse nine, oh God, let your word to David, my father, be now be fulfilled for you have made me king over people and numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me knowledge and wisdom to go out and come in before this people for you can govern this people as yours, which is so great. Boom. I mean, this man had the words all played out in the right sequence. He said, not only can you use me to fulfill what my father never was able to fulfill, but also give me wisdom and knowledge to do it for your people. Basically, David asked him to not bless him with more, but teach him how to steward what he has now. Mind blowing. I feel like a lot of us, we ask for more, but we don't know how to steward what we have yet and live in the moment of what God has blessed us with. I have a degree. That's why I have student loan debt. I have a house in my own name where rent is never going to change. That's why I have a mortgage to pay. So instead of asking for more things to more money to be able to pay off these things that he's already blessed me, Solomon teaches me to become a better steward of what I already have. Crazy that that's what Solomon says, but look at how good God is. In verse 12, he says, knowledge and wisdom are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, honor, such as none of the kings had were before you, and none after you shall have the like. Let me tell you how good God is. God will always give you exceedingly and abundantly more than you ask for or imagine. And sometimes when God is asking us what more he can do for us, he's asking how much more we allow him to operate in our life. I think Chronicles 1 is giving us this much revelation you can't imagine with the rest of this podcast is going to be like so skip 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 um to chapter two through verse to chapter two to chapter 10 of second chronicles talks about um this amazing temple that um solomon creates and how awesome his reign is through this time um sums up they never discuss the downfalls of Solomon. Solomon stayed golden the whole time through Second Chronicles. Um, however, in other books like First Kings 11, um, they just, verse 4 through 9, they discuss how Solomon got 
um, when in his old age, he became influenced by his wives, he, several wives, and they became influencers. And um, he actually started to worship other gods, even though he started off so strongly in his reign, the circle of people he hung around and people that he loved influenced him otherwise. Then in Second Chronicles 10, Rehoboam's um, Solomon's son starts to reign. Um, and this guy hasn't even been king for, I don't even know, probably a hot second because he went to Shechem. And this is where Shechem had to make them king of their area as well. And Jeroboam comes to him and all of Israel and they ask, your father made our yoke heavy and now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us and we will serve you. So Rehoboam hasn't even been king long in in this sense. And somebody and all the people will come up to him and say, Hey, I need you to, you know, lighten up on how you you how your daddy ruled on us. And since Rehoboam hasn't been in the game long, he has to seek counsel on how to solve this problem that's been brought to him so he seeks out two groups of people he seeks out um the old men that had counseled his father and he also looked um searched for counsel through his friends people he grew up with his homies and the older counsel said if you will be in verse seven, it says, if you will be good to this people and please them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Not too bad. Basically, do good. They'll be good. Peace will keep happening. Life is grand. Then he goes to his home. He's like, y'all, look, check this out. These people are talking about how my dad was super harsh on them and he they want us to lighten his burden, blah, blah, blah. What do you guys think? And you know, people that are in your circle that has never experienced the amount of influence you have can never give you wise counsel. These guys see Rehoboam as a king. They're like, oh man, you can do whatever you want. You can teach these people how it's really done. And, you know, you've got these other group of people that um, have been in the game long, have seen your, your father reign, has counseled him wisely. They tell you one side advice, but of course, your inner circle of people you roll with, you think that they give you the best advice. And their advice to him starts in verse 10. It says, thus shall you speak to the people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy and put lightning on us. And thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thigh. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. All the shade in the world. Basically, they said, my father, you thought how he ruled was heavy, but she ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he tells Rehoboam to tell these people, that it's about to get way worse than what you thought. You think that because I'm young and new that I, I don't know what's going on. You're trying to take advantage of me. So I'm going to make it worse for you. Well, the people in Israel don't play that. And they rebelled against him. They they challenged him. So Rehoboam um, decided to dip. He was like, oh, okay, cool. They didn't like that. I'm going I'm to head out. So he went to Jerusalem and he established the house of Judah there. 
and a um, man of God, Shemaiah, comes to Rehoboam and he says in verse 4, Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up against your relatives. Return every man to his home, for this is from me. So they listened to the word of God and returned and did not go against Jeroboam. So Rehoboam went to Jerusalem, rebuilt his house, basically was about to restore what he lost um, when he went to Shechem. He was like, oh, these people of Israel think that they got me box. I went to Jerusalem. I set up camp. I got big, I got strong again, and I'm about to come for him. But he listened. He had another wise counsel, a man of Jemiah, come to him and tell him, that's not what we're about. God's told me that's not what we're about. And for once, he took the wise counsel of a guy he, he never knew, um, a man of God. He just, he said, all right, I'm gonna run with it. I'm not gonna do it. Then chapter 12, after three years of ruling, peacefully like David and Solomon did and um, trusting God and all they did. In verse one, it says, when the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he abandoned the law of God and all Israel with him. So what happened? You know, you had peace for three years, nothing happened. And you forget where you're rooted from. You get one insight from God, from a man of God telling you, hey, don't do not do that. Don't go against God's people. Um, be cool. Stay chill. And you just couldn't couldn't let that, let that be. You started to get full of yourself. Rehoboam got full of himself, full of pride. And um, when the king of Egypt came against Jerusalem, um, he he was ready to fight. He was ready to do it because he thought that the peace that he's give he's gotten and the strength of his that he's developed and established was all through his working. But remember Shemaiah. Shemaiah was still up and you know was still here, and he approaches um, Rehoboam and he says, "You thus says the Lord, you abandoned me, so I." have abandoned you in the hands of Shika. Shika is the king of of Egypt at this time. So through this battle, that all the riches in the homes and um that Rehoboam had acquired, he is now lost in this battle because Shemaiah continues on and says that they have humbled themselves because Rehoboam realized his mistake, but he couldn't do anything about it. He's already set himself up for failure, but God can't. God still has to teach him a lesson. He can't take him away, weigh everything. He doesn't want to kill him, but he wants him to learn from it. So he says, um, through Shemaiah, he says, they have humbled themselves and I will not destroy them, but grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shekah. Nevertheless, they shall be servants to him, and they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the country, countries. He told him, at this point, you have put yourself in this situation. 
and God is going to give you grace in it. That's all I can say. And sometimes God will let you walk through situations that you've put placed yourself in because you didn't seek his counsel to learn something from it. From it. So at the end of um, Rehoboam's reign, he learned humility. He learned he was humbled by God. God allowed the people of um, Egypt to uh, attack and defeat him, but not strip him of everything. Abijah's reign, um, the son of Rehoboam. Um, this is significant because it's taking conflict between Jeroboam, um, the northern king of Israel, who um, once defeated um, his father, once defeated Abijah's father, Rehoboam, during his reign, when they came to him and asked them to um, lighten their yoke, um, and Rehoboam responded poorly and made him flee. Um, this one, this, this king has regained his power and now is coming to attack. But because Abijah trusts in God, he trusts that the hand of God will lead his army and defeat Jeroboam, which was what came to pass. He did defeat Jeroboam. Um, since his reign is only a chapter, there wasn't anything about his counsel, or if he ever rebuked God. I thought that was pretty cool because in the other accounts of um, the lineage behind Asa, they all had wise counsel at some point and potentially could have rebuked God. But this guy only had a chapter to shine and that's all they wrote about him. So I wonder if there is more in the Bible about Abijah in his reign. Um, then we roll into chapter 14, which is still before the study that first five did on um, Asa in chapter 16. And this is where the beginning of his reign starts, which um, is pretty cool because he took down all the foreign altars um, through verse 2 and 10, which God rewarded him with peace for 10 years. Um, then after two, 10 years, there's a war that broke out between Judah and the Ethiopians. Um, the men of Judah won, but they got really greedy with their spoils. Um, until Azara, son of Odit, um, had a prophecy. And in verse, and in verse two of chapter 15, um, Azara went out to Asa and said to him, hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you and while you're with him, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And then he continues on and in verse seven, he said, but you take courage. Do not let your hand be weak for your work shall be rewarded. Um, I think it's pretty cool that in the mix of Asa's conquer against the Ethiopian people, the spirit of God comes to someone that Azar never met before. And he advises him that in your, in your winning, you already being seen becoming greedy. He reminds him of how God operates. That if you seek him, he will find you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And he's saying that the work that you do could be rewarded or could be taken away pretty much. Um, so this to me was a heart change for Asad through the influence of someone he never knew. Because after that, he destroyed all the idols and took the spoils and sacrificed them to God. 
without the wise counsel of Azara, Asad probably would have just continued to be greedy. Who knows what Asad's reign could have continued to look like if he did not take the advice of this wise counsel and if God never sent his spirit to Azar to speak to Asad. So after that, he had 25 years of um, no war in between um, for his reign. Um, and then we get to chapter 16 of Second Chronicles, where um, verse 5 had talked about faith beyond the word, beyond words. Um, so in Asa's 36th year of reign, Basha, the king of Israel, went against Judah and built Ramah. Now, Ramah was something that Basha was trying to build that would basically block the main entrance to Judah. So basically the traffic in and out would have been stopped. So in my mind, that was like a limited Assad. And Assad felt upset by it. So in response, before he even sought counsel for God, I mean, this guy has had 25 years of no war due to him being advised and reminded of what God can do through you when you seek him, and then also what the repercussions of that might have been through a wise counsel of Azara. Um, but one instance happens, and it disrupts his whole peace of mind, his whole frame of mind, and it, and it eradicates this pride in him because in response, Asada tries to get the king of Syria to remove his alliance with Basha and join him. Um, and... Pride, by definition, is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. So this pride that Asa is feeling in this moment and through his actions is him thinking that the peace that he's seen in his country for 25 years was from his own works. And I feel like we do the same thing when we start seeing God's plan for our life come to fruition, when we start... Um, building the relationship and network to um, influ to grow our careers and for us to get the car and get the house and have the husband, have the wife, um, have the savings account. We we stop seeking God for the because He is the resource, and we think that we are the source of our achievements, and that's how Asad feels in this moment. He feels that what Basha is doing is attacking his his works and his achievements. And he allows his pride um, to, he allows his pride to drive him and he takes all the supplies away from, away to make Rama. But then Hani, a seeker, comes to Asah to and reminds him who the source was and is that allowed him to experience this grace, the blessing and protection that he has for so many years. And he starts off by saying to Asad in verse eight, were not the Ethiopians and Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on God, he gave them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You have done foolishly in this, and from now on you will have war. Boom. So I'm guessing after 25 years, um, Azari has dipped or moved on with his life, and God has now 
um, bless someone else to speak into Asa's life, honey. So Asa has Asa has already acted in pride. He has taken away the ability for Basha to make Rama, which would block the entrance of Judah. So he's already acted on his pride. He he didn't seek counsel from God. He just ran with his emotion, which a lot of us do when we make decisions that we think um, hinders our progression in our achievements in life, whether that be at work, in our relationships, or um, with our family members, whatever we're going through, we might take it to our own, before we seek counsel from God, we might take it to our own hands and do our own thing. Now, we might not have people like Hani in our life that is a seer or um, that has a spirit of God that lives within them to speak to us, but we all have access to talk to God. We have all access to pray and worship through God for wise counsel. And luckily for Asa, he had Hani come to him and tell him, dude, you have forgotten where you came from. God blessed you to be where you are now, to have this power of influence and control, and you lost it. So he not only reminded him, but he warned him that his foolish actions has now caused him to have war again, where he had 25 years of no war. Now he has to deal with war all over again. And it gets worse for him um, because Asa's pride was so big that he not only threw Hani in jail, but in his 39th year of reigning Judah, he developed a disease and still did not see God. So it got worse for him. His pride continued to fester even after someone of wise counsel came to him and told him, look, dude, you're making a bad decision. Bad things are going to happen. And instead of like, you know, changing his ways and learning from the experience just from a warning, he did the complete opposite. He still, he, he, he took the wise counsel, threw him in jail and then spent the rest of his year at war and disease and never sought God. I, so, I mean, listening to um, and studying the lineage of David through Asai, it really got me to thinking of the power of influence. We have so much influence in our everyday through social media, um, through scripture, through our friends. And I want to challenge you to think about who you're listening to. Who's the source of counsel for you? Um, because just like we saw through the lineage of David to Asai, Solomon chose to always follow God. Rahama chose to listen to the people that never was on his level. Abijah, even though he only had a chapter, he relied on the faith of God. And then you have Asa. Asa really, at the end of the day, it reminds me so much of us because through the power of choice, he had two people speak into his life. He had Azara, who he respond he listened to and took on that wise counsel and lived had 25 years of peace but then he had the counsel of Hani and he rebuked that counsel and he never had peace again i feel like we all have the opportunity to choose god in some situation in our life and like the walk of faith it's up and down it's all about battling our flesh and what we want for our lives and i saw showed us both ends of that he showed how taking the counsel at some point in his life from Asara gave him peace and growth. And then he also showed us how Hani, when you rebuked that advice, 
he had he um experienced destruction and pain through his disease and constant war that continued through his the remainder of his reign. God gives us the power of choice. We can choose who influences us from our day to day. We can choose the word of God, we can choose social media, we can choose our friends, but overall that can determine the paths of our lives. It's a serious thing that God has given us the power to do, um, which is to choose who influences us, who speaks into our life. So even if you are in destruction like Assad did, Assad had every opportunity through the remainder of his reign to fall before God and ask for forgiveness, but he didn't. He didn't choose to because if he sought God, he would have found him. Because in Chronicles 2, Hani reminded him in chapter um, Chronicles 2, 16, verse 9, he said, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give support to those whose hearts are blameless towards him. God never closes the opportunity for us to be in relationship with us. It's a choice we have to constantly make. And as sinners, we always consistently are battling the flesh of what we desire for our life and knowing and following in action and in faith of choosing what God has in store for our life. So I pray today that this podcast has um, influenced you to think about the people that you choose to allow to influence your life and um, that you seek God more in all decisions that you make, not just big ones, but every one of them. Um, Thanks for listening. I look to hear some feedback on um, Instagram, on my Instagram page, or um, just hit me up, text message, email, slide into DMs, whatever you got to do. But I want this community to grow, and I want you guys to be able to learn, and I want to learn from you as well. So it's two-way street, you guys. Hit me back. Bye.